artificial intelligence is going to absolutely ruin everything. And look, we get it. Using AI for tasks that would be impossible for any number of humans to complete is kind of a necessity at this point for some things. But using AI for something that should be easy for a small team of people with insight and an emotional response to their options is just kind of disrespectful, stupid, short-sighted, and will almost certainly result in easily the most bland results possible. Yet here we are. The year is 2020, and Warner Brothers Studios is adopting the use of AI to literally pick out which movies should be made in the future. I mean, just fucking put some marbles in an octopus, like, uh, fish tank. Make it fun, at least. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, so if, if you thought the years of sequels, reboots, or just plain boring movies held up in marketing by big-named actors were ever going to come to an end, well, we're sorry to say that there's not much hope for the future once the AI takes over the movie-making process. Yeah. Uh, in a recent write-up from The Hollywood Reporter, it's been confirmed that Warner Bros., our old boss, has signed a deal with a company called Synolytic to utilize their AI-driven project management system in order to leverage its comprehensive data and predictive analytics to guide decision-making at the green light stage. Oh. Adding that the integrated online platform can assess the value of a star in any territory and how much a film is expected to make in theaters and on other ancillary streams. I hate this so much. Big data! Yeah. Uh, I know Warner didn't make this movie that I'm about to reference, but I feel like this system w will just produce a bunch of movies like Gemini Man. The AI, AI, it'll just figure out that people seem to like Will Smith, but they also like young Will Smith, <laughs> and they love sci-fi. Analysis complete. See, uh, the, that movie's big mistake. No original songs. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That's, you got to have um, the original Will Smith song for the credits, maybe a few other ones, throw sure. in a music video. You got yourself a Will Smith hit. Well, see, that's the problem, though, Elliot. You just described the perfect movie, mm -hmm. yet you are a human being and not an AI. Yeah. Well. So that's where the wires get crossed or not crossed. Anyways, the final product of something like this is going to be something that no one wants to see, to see, despite the pieces seeming to fit together in an algorithm. Also, this is literally what Netflix has been doing for six years. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this AI will almost certainly have data points submitted by the Chinese government as well. It's going to be integrated right in there so that the movies that are greenlit, they'll have no problem debuting in their market. they got to put those little triggers in there and make sure they don't hit them. Yeah. yeah and now it, this is going to be perfect, obviously. What could go wrong? Yeah, and to be fair, as sad as this sounds, they claim that the use of this AI platform won't be on the creative side of things. It just crunches a bunch of data and basically provides a sort of risk assessment when it comes to funding a movie. Mm -hmm. What could go wrong? According to Synalytics founder, the system can calculate in seconds what used to take days to assess by a human when it comes to general film package evaluation of a star's worth, adding that artificial intelligence sounds scary, but right now an AI cannot make any creative decisions. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. Ominous. <laughs> what, is good, what it is good at is crunching numbers and breaking down huge data sets and showing patterns that would not be visible to humans. But for creative decision making, you still need experience and gut instinct. I like how he like, it very specifically says, but for right now, yeah. you still need this. And uh, it's not there yet. But uh, this dude is definitely planning on uh, taking over with his AI to be the producer or writer of every movie. And, you know, I, I kind of want to see it. This is how something like Cats gets made. I mean, it's not like, it's not like we're, our human-driven Hollywood ecosystem right now is all that great to begin with. True. So, like, fuck it. I'm kind of interested to see what the robots <laughs> do with it. Yeah, well, you're going to need something like Cats, where, like, it, it, the sum of its parts are greater than the final product. Yeah. You're just uh... like, look, we get all these big-name actors and actresses and musicians, and 
and a, and a very successful Broadway musical without looking at why it's successful at all. Yeah. And just cram it all together and there you go. So this is all nice in theory, but sure. it still has the potential to backfire because lazy executives might look at the results spit out by this AI as infallible until it eventually results in numerous flops yeah. and, of course, people losing their jobs because of those flops. <laughs> well, yeah, people losing their jobs that did these jobs before. Yeah. That the that's, AI that's is not taking over. Meanwhile, films that might be outside of the studio's typical comfort zone but would have gone on to be critical in box office successes could be overlooked because they didn't meet the parameters of potentially successful whatever that were spit out by the robot. Although, again, that's already fucking happening. True. What we have is not good. It's been bad for a while. Yeah, but you look at a movie like Joker, and the AI would have been like, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. Yeah, but that's also almost what the humans did. The only reason Joker got True. made was that it cost like $40 million, which yeah. is nothing compared to like yeah. any of the other shit they're doing. Like, you look at the fucking film slate from the last like five years, and I say, oh, would, did you know it was made by a robot? And you'd be like, oh, that actually explains a lot. <laughs> like, no, just kidding. That was humans. But we're bringing the robots in now. I actually liked it more when you said it was made by a robot. Well, yeah. it's good to see that you're uh, you're flexible on the whole AI thing. Some things absolutely terrify you, and uh, some things you're very excited for. Yeah. And also, again, like Netflix's programming, the way Netflix greenlights their shows and movies yeah. is pretty much this. Yeah. It's based off of, uh, you know, pretty clear data about what people watch, but... Um, mm-hmm. It's like, you know, they're not, they didn't give Adam Sandler a billion dollars for shits and giggles. They gave Adam Sandler a billion dollars because people were watching a lot of Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Now, as a test of the capabilities of artificial intelligence in general, we turn to Elon Musk's OpenAI to write a quick summary uh, based on the following prompt. In a risky move, Warner Brothers is forcing artificial intelligence to figure out which films they should greenlight. And here's what the AI came up with. In a risky move, Warner Brothers is forcing artificial intelligence to figure out which films they should greenlight by using a website called imdbfilms.com that lets moviegoers let machines learn more about movies. The company, which acquired the site for $60 million last year, had hoped to use artificial intelligence to help in its goal of giving movies a more intimate feel. So far, the only thing the robots have learned about films is that, quote, the protagonist is kind of a guy or girl with some sort of cancer. (laughs) At the risk of sounding bizarre, this is sort of the biggest misstep I have seen by anyone at Warner Brothers. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I guess you're right. AI, AI is the future. Yeah. They took our jobs because they were better at it. <laughs> it's true. So, on the other end of the bad ideas from rich people spectrum, we have Quibi. It's Quibi. Officially confirmed. The, what? But they said it was quick bite. Doesn't Quibi. matter. Quibi. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's okay, Quibi. Quibi. Yeah. But Quibi. <laughs> Quibi made its biggest mainstream debut today at CES over in Las Vegas this week. And, okay, yeah, for the unaware, Quibi is the almost certain to fail premium streaming service that will release short-form content from huge actors, writers, directors, and producers, specifically for mobile devices. A lot of people that you like are getting paid, so don't hate too much. Yeah. But, yeah, probably doomed. This is an idea that we already hate, but it's one that has some promising titles in store that we hope will eventually be released in a more traditional sense. Once the app burns through the investor money, it yes. inevitably shuts down. We should also remind you that there is no free option for this service. <laughs> no. The cheapest option you'll be able to get will cost $5 a month and will include ads. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the Quibi keynote kicked off with a trailer explaining pretty much what we just told you, complete with sound bites and endorsements from talent like Guillermo del Toro, Reese Witherspoon, and Anton Fuqua, who'd been hired to fill out content on the platform. Mm -hmm. And while they did offer some new information about specific features that'll be available on the platform, none of them really makes us uh, very excited 
to consume this media this way. Yeah. One thing they showed off was turnstile. Hello, kids. Uh, that's their term for being able to rotate your phone while the content maintains a full screen experience regardless of the angle. What? Are they, what? Yeah, basically God they're, damn they're it. filming it in a wide enough and tall enough aspect ratio that uh, everything can be seen. And uh, depending on which way you look at it, uh, things will be cut out of frame. I'm sure they're cinematographers, production designers. Oh, great. I'm sure they all love this. No, because they do, because they're getting fucking paid for this. Okay, good. Yeah. People, there is a there like, is a line. That Katzenberg money. Yeah. Now, ba Get basically, paid. what we're ex what we're explaining here is, if you hold the phone horizontally, that content is going to take up the whole screen. Turn it vertically, same thing. Content automatically adjusts so that it's taking up the entire screen. It's uh, like the uh, uh, Snapchat spectacles footage. Yeah, there you go. Where you, you it's could, just a glow. Yeah. Yeah. It would like stabilize as you hold your phone. Now, a somewhat unique twist to this was a demo where they showed off uh, changing the rotation of your phone also changes the perspective of the content itself. Hold on, Elliot, let me explain. In the demo video for this, holding your phone horizontally will show you the cinematic perspective. Yeah. But if you, if you hold the phone vertically, you'll get to see what the character is seeing, essentially turning your phone into theirs. What? Yeah, in the demo, it's a, a woman on the couch and there's a delivery driver at the door. So when you're watching it, you're watching the woman on her couch looking at her phone. And when you turn your phone vertically, you're seeing what she's seeing on her phone, which is the ring camera at the front door. This is bullshit. I fucking hate this so much. Yeah. yeah. A, it, <laughs> Are you tired of watching stuff that's already been edited by a professional actor? Well, guess what? Now you're the editor. Now, this is totally a gimmick to get people to watch the same content like three times. Well, what was I missing while I was watching the ring camera? Fuck this. They also spoke about one of the shows that we reported on last time that we talked about Quibi, the show from Steven Spielberg where you can only watch it after dark because the app will use your phone's internal clock data to lock or unlock episodes. In addition to both of those phone data-centric use cases, they also went into some detail about a show called Wireless, which according <laughs> to Tech Radar, is about a character who has to rely on his phone to survive. <laughs> And this means you can flip your phone's perspective to read incoming messages that drive the plot forward or look at the fictional character's Instagram app <laughs> or simply see the character's expressions from the phone's perspective. A literal God, black mirror. This a is literal so dumb. A literal black mirror, though. Yeah. Yeah, you can see his face in the reflection of the phone. God damn it. This is like, the whole thing is a gimmick. It's not even like about the content. It's about, and I know that they're doing this at CES, so they're showing off the tech that they're going to be using. But it's like the whole thing is like a weird mobile tech demo. See, if Quibi had a good AI, they, they the AI would have told them to cut this shit out. Make the shows full length and just yeah. reboot things uh, that people our, love. Our market research, Beep Bop Boop, shows that uh, your ideas fucking suck. People just want to be able to watch content, yeah. you fucking lunatics. What God do you mean damn. it's not going to be available on a smart TV? Well, this is doomed. Anyways. But hey, that, that rotating Samsung TV. Yeah, it's going to be perfect Woo! for this. Yeah. Although it, it, it's not fast enough. Yeah. It, you're <laughs> you're, you're going to have to follow it up the whole time. I mean, you won't get the perception of looking at someone's phone because you're looking at a TV. Right. The whole point is totally. you're reading, reading someone else's text messages. <sighs> Aren't you excited? No. I fucking hate this so much. Now, yes, these all sound like interesting tech demos, sure. And the names attached to the streaming service are certainly a compelling reason for people to be interested in it. But currently, we are still not sold on the idea that this will be 
adopted widely enough for it to be considered a success. They're hoping to get like 50 million users in the first. That's year not going to happen. Uh, we really hope that not every show will have some kind of gimmick attached to it based on your phone's data or functionality. That would be dumb. But who knows? Maybe this is what people want. We don't know. We've been wrong before, and and, and damn very it, rarely though. Damn it, though, it, it, it still means even though they'll be less than 10 minutes long, we are still getting new episodes of Reno 911 at some point. So that's cool. Yeah, but at what cost? We'll just use our free trial for whenever that launches. Whenever the, all of that content's fully out, I'll do my week-long free trial and flip my goddamn phone mm-hmm. around. Go 90. Oh, yeah. Go 90. Go no. 90. Uh, then we will be able to let you know what we really think about Quibi. But, uh, but Quibi, moving yeah. on to the Golden Globes. Uh, it's old news now. But if you just avoided the whole thing entirely, here are the big winners of the night. Yeah. Uh, 1917 won for Best Drama. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won Best Movie in the Comedy or Musical category. Sure. Uh, Renee Zellweger won Best Actress Drama for her portrayal of Judy Garland. Joaquin Phoenix won Best Acting Drama for Joker. A win for Incels Worldwide. Aquafino won Best Actress in Comedy for The Farewell. Taron Edgerton won Best Actor Comedy or Musical for his role as Elton John in Rocket Man. Chernobyl won Best Limited TV Series. Fleabag won Best TV Series Musical or Comedy. Succession won Best TV Drama. Quentin Tarantino won Best Screenplay. And Parasite won for Best Foreign Language Film. And Ricky Gervais won in Dividing Audiences all the way down the line with his uh, monologue and, and then disappearing from the Oh, I'm sorry. Show. Are you offended? Did I offend you? I thought it was a pretty good opening monologue. But apparently I'm wrong according to comedy Twitter. And I, the one thing I will agree with... He's a hack. The one thing I will agree with is that uh, the whole time when he says... Uh, we, we talked about this in the podcast, but he's just like, I don't care. I don't care. He cares more than anyone. Yeah. He blocks people on Twitter all day he long. He is a very sad... He is literally David Brent from season <laughs> one of The British Office. Oh. Like That is a autobiographical show about it. the world's most insecure man. Sure. Who, despite later going on to be one of the richest comedians on earth, still has some weird imposter syndrome where he uh, has to constantly verbally let you know that he is rich, successful, and hilarious. And doesn't care. And does not care. But he does. But the second you maybe make him care a little bit, well, he doesn't like that. I did like that he called James Corden a big fat pussy, though. Yeah, well, it's good. It, it, it's, <laughs> you should go after James Corden. Yeah, and he called out Apple in front of Tim Cook. That was uh, nice. Yeah, that's nice. So, Whatever, fine. Um, anyways, uh, get back to the, the the winners there. We we said that Parasite had won Best Foreign Language Film. Well, speaking of Parasite... Oh, uh, this is weird news. Yeah, it, Parasite was one of our favorite movies in 2019. It was really fucking good. And it looks like we're going to get to see that world fully developed because it was announced this week that HBO will be developing a limited series based on the film. Bong Joon-ho, who directed the film, will be working on this series for HBO alongside director Adam McKay, which seems like an odd pairing at first, but then you consider that Adam McKay, who's obviously more well-known for his comedies, he has shifted towards more political fare over the past few years with films like The Big Short and Vice. So this makes sense. Obviously, there's not much to report on here regarding what the show is going to consist of, just that it's going to be adapted for an English-language series. So... No more subtitles. You don't need to climb the one-inch barrier. Yeah, it's weird that he made this big old deal about wanting, pe- wanting on, people on to stage. watch foreign films and stuff. And then literally while that was happening, he'd already halfway filled out a contract to be like, yeah, was, you know, Americans, they're never going to watch my movie. So let's just remake it. 
sure. with white people. Well, HBO I came mean, with a big bag of money. He's playing both sides and he's getting paid. So it was this good or Fleming. Yeah. So good for you, Bong. At least we don't have to watch it in ten minute clips, yeah. <laughs> turning our phones all the time. Now, over in casting news, have a seat on the couch. It was finally confirmed this week that Colin Farrell has officially joined the cast of Matt Reeves' Batman film in the role of the Penguin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Penguin. The Penguin. Penguin. This had, of course, been rumored for more than a few weeks, probably yeah. a couple of months, a while. But yes. it was made official through this film's standard casting confirmation platform, Twitter.com, when Matt Reeves tweeted out an animated GIF of Farrell with the caption, Wait, is that you, Oz? Referring to the Penguin's real name, Oswald Cobblepot. A fun name. <laughs> Colin Farrell joins an already stacked cast, which includes Robert Pattinson, Andy Serkis, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright and Paul Dano. Film doesn't even come out until 2021, so I don't know. Everyone just chill a bit. Yeah, hopefully, relax. hopefully get a teaser or something from Comic Con if DC and Warner even decide to show up this year. We'll probably just get like a image of Robert Pattinson in the bat suit. It'll be exclu- exclusive trailer on Quibi. Oh yeah, turn your phone vertically. Watch it multiple happens. times. See what you miss. Yeah, if you hold it widescreen, it's just a shot of his crotch. You have to turn it yeah. full screen to get the full yeah the full suit. So, but Quibi. Over on the digital media side of things, two more titans of video God have damn. met their ultimate demise within the first two weeks of this new year. Last week, it was announced that there would be a massive restructuring, <coughs> layoffs, layoffs over at Collider Video, with most of their frequently recurring shows being completely canceled. And we knew a great deal of people behind the scenes and in front of the camera over there. So, yeah, very upsetting to hear. This sucks. Uh, luckily, everyone there was really talented and should be able to lay on their feet or start their own projects. And if you haven't already subscribed to the new Schmodown channel, uh, you should do that because Christian Harloff hosts a daily live show over there, among other things like the actual Schmodown competition. And a bunch of uh, the people involved in Collider videos make frequent appearances there. Uh, we'll leave a link in the description below or just go up in the search bar and type in Schmodown Entertainment Network. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, cut to this week and the news that College Humor has also essentially been shut down and over 100 employees were laid off as a result. This news came directly from the company's chief creative officer, Sam Reich, who basically ended up in sole control of the company going forward. Yeah. Weird shift. That's like the premise of a College Humor sketch. (laughs) Whoa, I got left (laughs) with this company. I'm left holding the bag. Yeah. Tune in to holding the bag on Quibi. He, He seems rightfully kind of terrified by what's happening. Anyway, in a Twitter thread, Sam posted the following. So, bad news, with a twist. IAC, our parent company, has made the difficult decision to no longer finance us. Today, 100-plus brilliant people lost their jobs, some of whom are my dear, dear friends. Hire them. The twist, however, is that IAC has agreed to let me run with the company myself. In words that I'm sure are as surreal to read as they are to type, I will soon become the new majority owner of CH Media. Of course, I can't keep it going like you're used to. While we were on the way to becoming profitable, we were nonetheless losing money, and I myself have no money to be able to lose. Long story short, I need your support now more than ever. The number one way you can support me is to stay subscribed to Dropout. We have six months worth of content still to release. Dimension 20, um, Game Changer, Breaking News, and more. He continues, in these six months, I hope to be able to save Dropout, College Humor, Draw Free, Dorkly, and many of our shows. Some will need to take on bold new creative directions in order to survive. You may not agree with all of them. And this won't be the last time I ask for your support. I will, however, do my very best to stay true to the talent, shows, fans, and principles that got us where we are today. We dropped out once before. We could do it again. Independent comedy lives on, just now more independent gulp than ever before. 
So they're not entirely doomed, uh, but bringing a massive operation like that down to its bare minimum while still attempting to make compelling creative content and pay everyone a decent wage for doing it, that's a monumental task. One that we hope uh, Sam can conquer, but uh, a monumental task nonetheless. Yeah, that's uh, best of luck to you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, for trailers this week, there's a new trailer for the Harley Quinn movie, and uh, it looks okay. Yeah. Certainly better than the last trailer. But it still just feels like a sequel to Suicide Squad, and it's going to take a bit more convincing to get either of us into the theater to see it. But who knows? Could end up being great. Sure. Which would be a lovely surprise. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But if it's not great... Don't spend the rest of your life pretending there's a better version of it hidden away in a vault somewhere. Yeah. It's not a healthy way to live. Someone needs to break into the Warner <laughs> Vault now and rescue the, the original cut before it even makes it to the screen so they can switch all the screens in America and around the world with the original cut of yeah. Harley Quinn. Yeah. Before they burn it. Mm-hmm. Oh. They'll do it. Same guy, same guy that killed Jeffrey Epstein killed the Snyder Cut. He did. He's responsible. But hey, hey uh, if you want to go to the movies this weekend, 1917 is out. It won Best Motion Picture at the Golden Gloves, like we mentioned, and I saw it, and it's great. I haven't seen it yet. If you like war movies, you're going to love it. Oh, war. A real romp. The idea of war, just so, so appealing to me right now. Uh, it's really good, though. It's a, it does, it's, it does it's, look very it's good. A quite, it's quite a long movie, but it goes by like that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's, it's quote-unquote all one shot, but yeah. they, they kind of nailed it with this, and uh, it's really, really good. So if you are itching to head out to the theater, don't see Cats. See 1917. I saw Cats this week. That's on you. Out of morbid curiosity, I finally saw it, and it is not good. And not good in any kind of fun way. It's just not good. It's boring. And I would say I said on Twitter, like, people, I was prepared for how bad it looked, but I wasn't prepared for how terrible the music was. Yeah, it's just bad. It's not I good. I thought that it, at the very least it would be like, oh, cool, at least it got a banging soundtrack. Nope. The songs are good, whatever. No, it was just, the sound was actually bad. Like, outside of the music being very bad and none of it rhyming, the audio quality is bad in the movie. There's like one good song. Well, yeah. And it is horny. It is horny. So, uh, but not in a good way. Don't go see it. Go see 1917 instead. Anyways, uh, patrons, members, we mm -hmm. did a podcast this week. We talked about Golden Globes and other stuff in depth. War. Good talk. Yeah. Uh, Luckily, we're not going to war yet. Uh, Although all that information came out that the plane was shot down. Stay, Allegedly. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned for a weekly weird war. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, new episode of Weekly Weird. New News. episode of Tech. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, if you want to see all the stuff that's going down at CES, check it out. Check it see out. See you next time for Weekly Weird News. Bye-bye.